Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 7th of October, 2020. What makes a hero? And by hero, I'm not talking about, you know, some legendary fictional character, whether of, uh, you know, folk stories of yore or from superhero movies of today. I'm not talking about your favorite political figure or your uh, favorite athlete. I'm thinking of the heroes of the Bible. And you might find sports heroes in the Hall of Fame. Well, we're wrapping up today a chapter that's commonly referred to as the Hall of Faith, where we see many biblical heroes and what their faith motivated them to do. And today we look at the last section of this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 29 through 39. And here we read the last uh, couple stories um, that he refers to specifically, the the crossing of the Red Sea, uh, the walls of Jericho falling down, um, Rahab by faith, and what she did in welcoming the spies. And if you want to extend more sports analogies, sometimes I see this as, you know, the buzzer beater crossing the Red Sea when they had their backs against the wall, the, the underdog, them conquering Jericho without um, doing anything but marching down the walls and obeying and trusting God. And Rahab, the, the, the Cinderella story, the person you would never expect to be saved, the prostitute who ends up in the hall of faith. Um, but then he he kind of says, hey, I don't have time because I, I could go on. And then he lists several names there, uh, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and then he lists other various things. And we, we see, even though he doesn't mention by name, what, what seem like pretty clear references to other biblical characters like Daniel, when he talks about stopping the mouths of lions, or his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who quenched the power of fire, uh, right, who were thrown into the fiery furnace and came out unscathed. And, and these are pretty amazing, you might even even say heroic actions, but what motivated them? And what I want to see at the end, you know, we think of these heroes, we need to realize that didn't always go well for them. And that's one thing we need to realize in our culture that lots of times faith and depending on faith, we've talked throughout this chapter that we must believe that God rewards those who seek him. And I believe there are many ways he does that in this life, but ultimately our focus is on the end. Ultimately, our focus is on eternity because many of those who did great things by faith, this life ended with what it talks about here. It even talks about forms of of execution. It talks about things that they suffered and persecution and imprisonment. It talks about various other uh, struggles that they had. They weren't dressed well. They were poor. They were afflicted. And it talks about all these things that were hard for them and what motivated them. And we see the answer really in verse 35, where it says, women received back They're dead by resurrection, probably referring to Elijah and Elisha there. Some were tortured, it says, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. And we've seen that really throughout this chapter, especially when it talked about Abraham, how he was looking forward to a heavenly country, a heavenly city. And I think when we read the Bible, 
one common thread we see through these biblical heroes is they had a focus on heaven. And that's something I want to encourage you to think about today. And even I hope this podcast is the thing that jogs your memory. Sometimes it's good for us to intentionally jog our own memories to get us to think about heaven. But I hope this podcast does that for you today. That you would set your sight on what is the future and what is really eternity. And and that you would realize how fleeting this life is. That this life is going to be over. And in the grand scheme of things, this life is going to be over soon. But that does not mean that you will be over. We will live. Our souls will endure forever. Even the Bible teaches our bodies will be raised back to life. And are you focused on that? Are you focused on the day when all the wrongs will be made right? Are you focused on the day when there will be no more suffering? And are you living as the Puritans used to often say, thinking of this life just as the dressing room? This is merely where we're preparing for the real life that is to come. And I think that's an apt analogy. And I'd encourage you to remember this life, this is just a rehearsal. This life, it's just the dressing room. Eternity is to come, and that will end up in the grand scheme of things being more real than anything you experience in this life. So whatever trials you may be going through today, let that be a perspective. And even when what you set your sights on and what you make your goals and what your hopes and dreams are about, may they be about things that really echo into eternity and and put our focus there and make a difference in the lives of other people for eternity as well. Now, as we turn to some other passages today, we're going to be reminded of the combination of salvation and judgment. And we've talked about, especially in Isaiah, those are the two themes of the book, and they're kind of mixed together. And I want us to realize that those things can't totally be separated. Salvation and judgment cannot be um, totally separated. In fact, they're united in one person, and really that's the Messiah, who we know is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he is not just one, as Christians, sometimes we like to think of him as salvation, but he also represents judgment. And we see that today, really, at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 63. As we look at chapter 61 to 64, we're almost done with this book. And it talks about someone that is coming and someone that it even says, it is I speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. And then... It asks, why is your apparel red and your garments like he who treads in the winepress? And then he says, basically, they're red with the blood of the people that I have judged. That's pretty, let's be honest, that's pretty graphic language. And it's this same Messiah who we saw in chapter 53 lays down his own life for our transgressions. Now we see in chapter 63 that he is um, executing judgment on his enemies. And really, we need to ultimately realize there can't be salvation without judgment. And ultimately, we want a world where there is no more sin, there is no more suffering, there is no more wrong. And that will not happen without Jesus judging those who are doing evil and ultimately making an end of them. And so that's something we need to realize, even as we can't think of salvation and judgment as totally contradictory things. They're going to go together and ultimately they're united in the person 
of Jesus Christ. And we're reminded of that, that we don't have even salvation from our sins and our justification without judgment. That we would not be saved if Jesus had not taken our judgment on the cross. So the cross is especially where we see that this salvation and judgment ultimately coming together in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we need to realize that we wouldn't have salvation without judgment and there will be more judgment to come, but that judgment will bring with it salvation. And I think it'd be good for us. We see a long prayer for mercy from Isaiah on behalf of his nation. And I think, again, that's something that should be a good model for us in humility. We should be coming to God for our nation, asking him for mercy, realizing that the United States of America deserves the judgment of God but that we would call out to him for mercy, that we would see his act of salvation in saving people from judgment as they repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ. May we cry out, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence and that we would see God work among us, um, hopefully in a way of salvation as people look to Jesus Christ. And we know eventually God will rend the heavens and come down in judgment. And we pray that many people would be more prepared for that day than in the future than they are right now as they turn from their sins and put their faith in Christ. And again, we're reminded of really this union of judgment and salvation in Jesus Christ in what we read in an amazing passage in Luke 24, 24 to 35. We're we're on that road to Emmaus and Jesus has shown up incognito um, to a couple people that we're on some level followers of Jesus Christ that are walking away from Jerusalem disappointed uh, that Jesus has been crucified, but also slightly mystified as they've already heard reports of him rising from the dead. And, and today, Jesus, he, he starts explaining things to them. He says in verse 25, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Man, I wish I could be a fly on the wall for that conversation. But even as we think about it, it wouldn't surprise me if Jesus was opening up the scriptures, or at least referencing as he talked, some of the very passages that we have read in the book of Isaiah, like Isaiah chapter 53, or Psalms like Psalm 22, pointing to the clear suffering of of the Messiah and pointing out there's not going to be salvation without judgment. Finally, we'll look at Psalm 118, and we start it with the first seven verses. And again, we see that theme that his steadfast love endures forever. That line repeated in all of the first four lines, calling, let Israel say, uh, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, and that would have been the priests, his steadfast love endures forever. And then let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. And as we look towards eternity and set our sights there today, may we remember that from now until uh, really what will never be the end of the ages, as the ages go on and on, one song that we will always be able to sing is that his steadfast love endures forever. 
Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.